It's that time of year again. It is caravan season. And the Reds are going to be traveling around Reds country, showcasing a lot of young talent. We're going to tell you who they're showcasing and where you can see them. We've got all that and more on today's Locked on Reds. You are Locked on Reds, your daily Cincinnati Reds podcast, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked on Reds. Welcome into the Aloha Friday live edition of the Locked on Reds podcast. Thanks for making Locked on Reds your first listen of the day. We are part of the Locked on Podcast Network and we are free and available on all platforms. I'm your host, Stephen Offenbaker. Uh, My co-host, Jeff Carr, he has the day off. It is just going to be me and you talking baseball. Uh, As I tell you guys each and every time I do the intro, uh, I have a passion for baseball. I have a passion for the Cincinnati Reds, and I've taken that passion, and I have turned it into information for you. On today's show, uh, we're going to be talking about the Reds Caravan. Uh, If you didn't see it, the Reds announced uh, who they are going to be showcasing, who is going to be traveling around Reds country in order to come see you, the fans. Uh, I have some thoughts about this particular lineup, and, uh, you know, it's not great, I don't think. Let's dive right into it. You know, it's just going to be me today, folks. So I'm going to be kind of on the video side. You're going to see me doing a lot of clicking and looking around. Uh, normally, Jeff and I share these duties, but uh, I'm going to do the best I can. And, of course, coming up a little bit later in the show, we're going to get to all of your questions and comments that I can uh, within reason, as I like to say. Let's talk a little bit about this Reds Caravan because – You know, in years past, there's been some big names that have gone out on these tours of Reds country, and uh, that's really not the case this year. The Reds have broken it down into four groupings. There's the West Tour, the East Tour, the North Tour, and the South Tour. Uh, In the West Tour, uh, they're going to be making stops in Ohio and Indiana. The group that's going to be traveling around on the West Tour uh, consists of Jose Barrero, Austin Hendrick, manager David Bell, uh, former Reds player Corky Miller, and broadcasters The Cowboy, Jeff Brantley, and Brian Giesenslag. That's the West Tour. Uh, Heading out on the East Tour will be outfielder TJ Friedel, uh, Nick Northcutt, Casey uh, Legumina, and then broadcaster Tommy Thrall, as well as general manager Nick Crawl. For the North Tour... Uh, this one heading north in Ohio. Uh, we're going to see Aleo Lopez. We're going to see Cam Collier. We're going to see Jim Day, uh, Hall of Fame broadcaster Marty Brenneman, and uh, Nick Craw will be on this grouping as well. And then for the final tour, the South Tour, this one's going to be heading uh, into Kentucky. Uh, we're going to have Spencer Steer, Nick Northcutt, Levi Stout, Corky Miller, uh, broadcasters John Sadak and Tommy Thraw, along with assistant general manager Sam Grossman. Uh, that's the lineup, folks. And, uh, you know, there's a couple guys in here that are kind of exciting. Uh, it's nice to see they're bringing on Cam Collier out on the road. Uh, nice to see Spencer Steer. Uh, he was at Red Fest, and here he is once again out on the caravan going on the tours. Uh, but I got to tell you, uh, I don't know what to make of this. Uh, first of all, uh, very noticeably absent are 
both Bob and Phil Castellini. Neither one of those guys are going on any of these tours to meet with the fans. Uh, I know, shocking, right? Uh, but the group of the group of players is pretty lackluster. You know, major league players going out on this is Jose Barrero, uh, T.J. Friedel, Aleo Lopez, uh, Nick Northcutt. I guess, yeah. Uh, none of these guys are. Um, you know, I can't imagine the lines are going to be long. Uh, it, it's pretty unfortunate. Uh, you know, this had the opportunity to be uh, a tremendous event to kind of build interest in this team, build interest in uh, what the Reds are trying to do. And I know they had a lot of the young guys at Reds Fest, uh, but you would think they would have gone out of their way to get some more of the bigger name prospects to participate in the Reds caravan. Uh, it's, it's, it's a little disappointing to me. I, I think that they really dropped the ball. I, I can't think of a, I can't think of a better way to put it than they dropped the ball. Uh, you guys firing up the comments already. I see you. Uh, I love it. Great. Ronnie Snyder checking in saying no true Reds fan wants to meet the, the SOB. The SOB stands for son of Bob. I need to make that clear each and every time. Don't need any legal problems with, the Reds ownership group, but son of Bob, Phil Castellini. Yeah. Uh, I think people want to give Phil a piece of their mind. And, you know, I've said several times this off season guys that the thing that Phil could do, and, and he kind of screwed this up by uh, doing the whole Rosie Reds thing. But, you know, I thought the best move that Phil could make would be to come out to Reds fest or a caravan stop or two. And say, I realized I made a mistake. I realized I said a bunch of dumb things. I'm really sorry. And then take his medicine. Let the fans have their say. I think people would have eventually talked it out and maybe been able to move past it. But the fact that he continues to hide from it and then really come out and say more dumb things really is not helping his cause. Uh, uh, Joseph Gadisa says, thank goodness the two Castellinis aren't on the caravan. I, I don't know, guys. I think they should go. I mean, I think they should have to face you guys. I see Scott Campbell in the in the chat here. Uh, Scott <laughs> was not shy about letting uh, Phil Castellini know exactly what he thought about him at Reds Fest. I think that uh, the fans deserve that opportunity. Ronnie also says that for the caravan, uh, Ellie De La Cruz should be, and he would pack each stop. I think that's true, uh, but with visa considerations and, and, and travel considerations, I get why maybe they only wanted Ellie at one stop or the, or the other, as far as Reds Fest or the caravan. Uh, I'm not shocked that Ellie De La Cruz is not a member of the caravan, uh, but I really would have liked to have seen more uh, major leaguers. I, I would have liked to have seen Joey Votto on this tour uh, and probably it's going to be his last one. It would have been nice. Maybe he'll be a surprise. It would have been nice to see him out there and participating, but uh, you know, it's not meant to be. And I'm going to kind of keep scrolling, looking seeing what you guys are saying here in the comments. Uh, yeah, Scott, that's exactly what I was thinking. Just because they're not listed doesn't mean they won't be there. Uh, but yeah, I don't think they're going to be there. Uh, if you saw, and you saw, you saw how Phil was acting at Reds Fest. Uh, he couldn't even bring himself to to barely make eye contact with anybody as he was scurrying around the convention center for fear that somebody would actually corner him and talk to him. Uh, I just, I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. 
but I would like for there to be some surprise player guests during the caravan. I think the Reds owe the fans that uh, to maybe build upon this lineup a little bit and really deliver a little bit more than what they're offering. Anyway, enough about the caravan, you guys. Uh, I'm going to continue to take your comments. And 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 today we're going to be talking about what you want to talk about. You know, I wanted to talk about the caravan kind of right up top here. Uh, I want to hear from you guys. Do you think this is enough? Is, is what's listed for the caravan enough to make you want to show up? and make you want to take your time to go and and meet the caravan stops uh, i, I want to hear from you uh, we're going to get to all of your questions and comments coming up here in just one minute uh, but first before we get to your questions and comments i do want to tell you about built bar uh, if you're looking for a delicious treat but don't want to fall uh don't want to fall off the wagon for your diet if you don't want all the fat and all the calories then you got to try built bar with built it's healthy and it's actually tasty I mean, seriously, it's really good. They're so delicious. You won't think uh, that they're good for you. They're perfect for you to maintain your new year's resolutions. I hope you guys are sticking to your new year's resolutions. Uh, I've done okay. Uh, the one I'm still struggling with is getting my butt to the gym, but we're going to work on that this week, guys. Uh, we're going to fire that up. Uh, you know, I'm not sure how built does it with these bars, but they taste like a candy bar while maintaining amazing statistics. And you know how much I love statistics around here. Uh, even better, the statistics say that they're healthy, 130 calories, four grams of sugar with a whopping 17 grams of protein jammed into each bar. And now here's the best part. You don't have to wait around to get a box in the mail. Uh, for years, we've been talking about ordering your built bars at built.com, but now you can get them at your local Walmart or Sam's club. That's right. You can head to your nearest Walmart today, walk to the pharmacy section and grab yourself a box of built bars. You can pick up a four bar box of cookies and cream, double chocolate or coconut puffs. You know, you know how Jeff loves the puffs. He goes on and on about the puffs and he never, ever shares when I'm in town. I want you guys to know if you're going uh, to a Sam's club, you can run in and grab a 13 bar box with their hit flavors, brownie batter and churro. I order the churros all the time. They are really really good so head to walmart head to sam's club get your built bars you can thank me later all right guys uh we're gonna dive right back into your questions and comments i am looking forward to what you guys got for me today we're just gonna work through them together and see what you guys have for me. Ronnie Snyder talking about additions to the Reds Caravan. Johnny Bench would have been a great addition. I think so too. And this is where I'm kind of surprised that, I mean, of all the people they could have reached out to, they could have gotten Barry Larkin on this thing. Barry Larkin's not participating. They could have gotten Eric Davis. They could have gotten Johnny Bench. They could have gotten uh, any number of other players from the Big Red Machine. George Foster was, is available. Davey Concepcion, they could have gotten him. I just, this really just doesn't feel like they put a lot of effort into it to me. It, it's, it's really disappointing. Uh, it really just feels like they didn't try. Uh, Scott Campbell says that he'll show up anyway, but it's a very mediocre showing at all stops, except for the stops with John Sadak. Listen, I'm with you. I love John Sadak. Uh, we're going to try and get him on here in the next few weeks. Just haven't had the schedule 
to line up well, but wanted to check in with him and his off season. Uh, I'll reach out to him again here pretty quick. Thought we had a day, but then uh, he had to broadcast a game. So didn't work out, but we're going to get him pretty soon. Uh, poofy haired fancy boy. First up top, he asked how we were looking, but now he's asking me if I can show the autographs that are on my shelf back there. Uh, maybe I'll pull them down another time. It'll be a little awkward for me to do it when we're already live, but I can tell you what those are. So, uh, the pyramid behind me is actually the starting lineup from game one of the 1975 world series. Uh, the very top baseball there is a sparky Anderson ball to round it out. And then there's a Marty Brenneman ball on the side. And then that little jar next to the pyramid is actually infield dirt from Fenway park. Uh, interesting story about the sparky Anderson ball. When I started this collection, uh, Sparky had already passed away. So I, I had to search for a while to find an autographed baseball from Sparky Anderson. And the one that I found, uh, the description of it just said, I, you know, I ordered it online. The description of it just said, it's a personalized ball for the person that got it. Uh, Sparky Anderson ball. And I, you know, took a chance. I, I couldn't see in the picture. I could see Sparky's signature, but couldn't see the personalization uh, who had got the autograph. So I ordered it. It comes to me. I kid you not, folks. The, the inscription written by Sparky Anderson says to Steve, Signed Sparky Anderson. So the original guy that got it was also named Steve. It's perfect. Uh, so that was the very first baseball collection that I put together, starting lineup of uh, game one of the 1975 World Series. I'm going to start working on a 1990 World Series pyramid, I think, too. Uh, game one, I haven't decided how I'm going to do that. Game one or like a wire to wire pyramid. I'm not sure what I'm going to do with that, but uh, that's probably my next. Uh, project for the autograph baseballs. And then on the lower shelves, there's a Joey Votto autograph ball back there. There's a team ball, 1990 world series uh, ball back there. Uh, there's a Barry Larkin autograph ball back there that I got uh, visiting the booth at uh, great American ballpark. So a little collection, one of these times I'll pull them down and let you guys see some of the signatures uh, as we uh, have some time to fill here in the off season. Uh, William Martin's asking about Trevor Bauer again. I wasn't going to talk about this, uh, but you know, we talked about this last week and I said, it's the only time I was going to dig into it, but you guys keep asking and it keeps coming up in the comments. Look, there is a lot of controversy surrounding Trevor Bauer. And I hear you folks that are saying he was never charged with anything. He's never convicted of anything. This team has enough bad PR. And if we learned anything from the blowback that Cleveland took on when the Browns brought Deshaun Watson in, I just don't know that the, the Reds need that with the youth movement and the, the amount of young pitchers that are going to be there. I don't know that they need that kind of distraction and that kind of drama. Uh, all that being said, I don't know why Trevor Bauer would want to come here. Um, the Reds aren't going to be a winner this year. Uh, he's, I know, going to be affordable at league minimum because the Dodgers are paying him all that money. Uh, it just, it doesn't feel like a good fit. It feels, it feels like something that the Reds don't need to be taking on uh, in this situation. I think they'd be much better off going with the youth and just trying to move forward and, and not bringing on that kind of drama and controversy um, <laughs> causing a catastrophe. I'm not putting that on the screen, but yeah. Ah, that's a whole different show. <laughs> Greg Hughes says the twins are a small market team and do better. Uh, why can the Reds? 
guest lays and stuff. I'm not sure what we're saying here. Maybe I'm, listen, I worked a shift last night too. It's possible that I'm missing that. But look, the twins are all in. We can talk about the twins for a second. They're not messing around. They are spending a ton of money. They are uh, looking to win that division. Uh, why can't the Reds do that? The Reds can't do that. Uh, Castellini's choose not to. Uh, they are trying to maximize their profits. Uh, ho uh, hopefully Nick crawl is able to uh, build us a winner within the constrictions that Phil is placing upon him. Uh, I think he can. I think that there's enough young talent that the Reds are going to win some ball games. Probably not this year. Uh, I, I still think that with the right starting pitching, they can stumble their way into being relevant for the final wild card spot. But uh, heading into 2024, I think that there's a real chance the Reds can win some baseball games and and be in the mix. And I think that uh, I think that's what we've got to hold out hope for. Uh, the Reds aren't going to spend that kind of money, not as long as Castellini's are around. Uh, you know, I'm more and more convinced that we just have to sit back and be patient until Phil does something dumb enough that Major League Baseball forces them out. Uh, it's probably our only hope. Uh, the franchise valuations being the way they are, uh, the Castellinis are making more money than they could ever make doing anything else. So I think it's going to come down to some kind of bad mistake uh, to make a change in ownership. Greg Hughes says Pete Rose. I think he's talking about Pete Rose for the caravan. Um, you know, Major League Baseball may have allowed that, but, uh, you know, last video I saw of Pete, he didn't look like he was in great health. Um, you know, he may not be up for driving all over the tri-state area, but I, I'll say this for all of the controversy with Pete and the people, there's people that love him, people that don't, uh, if he was on the caravan, people would come out to see him. Uh, it would drive traffic to the caravan stops. And, uh, I don't think we can say that really about very many other people on the caravan. Uh, Ronnie talking about Sparky Anderson. Sparky is one of the greatest managers of all time. Uh, would love to have a signed ball from captain hook. Uh, listen, I'm telling you, it was super lucky. And the fact that it's made out to Steve just makes it so much sweeter, but you know, Sparky, uh, you know, Sparky, one of the greatest managers of all time. You know what? Sparky was one of the greatest managers of all time at doing was managing egos. He was one of the first managers that really had to to deal with the all-star ego in the era of uh games being broadcast nationally on tv you know there was a game of the week back then uh the reds players the you know the the big red machine they all were getting local endorsement deals and doing commercials and, and doing things that you didn't see from a lot of baseball players before. So I give Sparky a lot of credit for being able to manage those guys. And he even said many times that, you know, he just basically managed the personalities and got the heck out of the way. And I think that, uh, I, you know, I think that uh, it's great how he is recognized for really being that kind of a manager and, and not tinkering too much. And, you know, I don't know that David Bell could have controlled himself with that particular group. Uh, poofy haired fancy boy wants to know who was my favorite red when I was a teenager. Okay. <laughs> uh, there's a few actually. I mean, my, mine, like everybody else, you know, I was a kid in the nineties. So, you know, Eric Davis, Barry Larkin, uh, a lot of the guys on the wire to wire team, Jose Rio loved all those dudes, but my guy was Hal Morris and you guys are probably all like what? But I played first base. I was a lefty hitter that didn't hit for much power, but I could slap the ball around a little bit. Uh, so how Morris was like playing the same game I was playing. So, you know, I always enjoyed watching him and I actually had opportunity to meet him 
when I was a teenager, he was at a, a card show autograph event kind of thing and got to talk to him a little bit. And, and he was a super nice guy and spent time talking to me and just kind of reinforced him being, you know, my favorite to watch. So yeah, Hal Morris. Uh, BR7 says he was at uh, game one of the 1990 World Series. It was awesome. I bet it was. And we need more of that kind of uh, of atmosphere in Cincinnati. For all you guys that were watching, uh, you know, the Bengals-Ravens game and, and what that looked like on TV, or if you happen to be there, uh, we need some of those baseball experiences. I hope that uh, playoff baseball is coming to Cincinnati very, very soon because uh, that's an atmosphere I want to experience. You guys know I'll get on a plane and be there if the res makes postseason. That will absolutely happen. Uh, 100%. Luke Welsh says, I live two hours away from Cincinnati, so the I only go to a few games a year. What's the quintessential Reds experience? What's the best seats? Oh, man. Um, well, I mean, depends on how much money you want to drop. Obviously, uh, the diamond seats right down behind home plate is a pretty good experience. If you don't know about those seats, uh, there's a, there's a tunnel right there behind the seats that goes down to a bar and, uh, they bring, uh, all your food is included with your ticket purchase. Uh, there's servers that will bring the food to your seats. You can go under and hang out at the bar before and after the game, uh, I have not done those seats yet. It's kind of on my list maybe for this season. Uh, I'm not sure how that's going to play out. I'm doing um, four games here at the beginning of the season. I'm doing all three Pittsburgh games and then one of the Cubs games before I head back home. So I don't know. Maybe Diamond Seats. Uh, I think Diamond Seats is a great experience. Uh, I, I definitely am going to try that. I have done Bally Sports Club. That's another one that comes with uh, unlimited like stadium food. And that one's nice because you have an assigned, you know, a ticketed seat but you can go inside and get drinks. And if it's, it's air conditioned in there on hot days, or if it rains, uh, handlebars, another great spot, uh, comes with a few drink tickets. And again, there's two levels there where you can either just have open seating, uh, and you know, try and get there early and get a good, the seat that you want on the rail, or, uh, it has seats that you can just get a ticket for. Uh, and then, you know, when Jeff and I go, a lot of times we just get the cheap seats and then we walk the stadium and I have more fun doing that. Um, running into people and, and, and hanging out and then wandering to a new section and doing it all over again. Uh, we do that several times last year when we were there, we ended up running into Mo Egger and James Rapine and the four of us just kind of hung out down the right field line, uh, by the Budweiser, the Bowtie bar and got to watch a walk off. And that's probably one of my favorite times at the ballpark. So you know, I would say go make sure if you haven't done the Hall of Fame, do the Hall of Fame. Uh, if you only go, you know, treat yourself to the good seats, get an experience. Uh, you know, diamond seats are kind of pricey, but some of those other ones aren't that bad. The Bally Sports Club, I think, was a hundred bucks for all you can eat food and drinks and not alcoholic drinks, but sodas. Uh, there is a bar there where you can buy a beer for if you want beer or, or other things. But uh, I would say go with that. Treat yourself. That's what I say because you know, my, one of my favorite things to do is just hang out at that ballpark. So uh, I encourage you to, to live it up a little bit when you go to the stadium. Stephen McCoy, what do uh, I do besides providing top-notch Reds coverage? Uh, if you're asking about my day job, it's not actually a day job. I do a lot of different shifts at it. But I am an ER nurse uh, in addition to doing uh, this podcast. And then Jeff, uh, if you guys don't know, is a full-time employee of the locked on podcast network uh, he is actually the manager for all of the baseball channels so you know every major league baseball team 
has a locked on podcast with hosts. Uh, so Jeff does this show with me. And then he's also in charge of the Major League Baseball channel. So he's full time on the podcast, which I think is super cool. Uh, when I met Jeff, he was working for a bank, I think, uh, in a cubicle, uh, hating every minute of it and dreaming of doing something like this. And and he went out and chased his dream and made it into a full time gig. And, you know, I'm super proud of him. Uh, he's really gone far with it. And, uh, you know, and I'm excited that he brought me along for the ride as well. Can the owners toss the SOB, that's son of Bob, Phil Castellini, out? And how do they do that? Well, that's what they did with uh, Marge. You know, she said some dumb stuff, and and they couldn't really let her recover from it, and they forced her to sell the team. Uh, it's it's written in the the purchase agreements and the the deal with Major League Baseball. You know, they vote on who can buy the team. There's a set of uh, bylaws. There's a set of regulations, and one of the things to do is the, the owners can by vote force out or force another owner to sell. Um, I think as a super majority, I don't know if it has to be unanimous. Don't know the specifics of it, but I know that they can do it uh, because they have done it. That's what they did with Marchot. On the caravan, Scott Campbell is going to ask Nick crawl to blink twice. If he's in danger, um, <laughs> We're going to dig into more of these questions and comments, and I'll talk about that uh, right after this. All right, before I get to those things, I just want to remind everybody, you can follow uh, us between shows on Twitter. You can follow me at S. Offenbaker with two Fs. You can follow Jeff at Jeff Carr with, that's Jeff with three Fs. And you can follow the show at Locked On reds uh make sure if you're first time watching us here on youtube click those uh subscribe button and the notification bell so you never miss a beat as soon as we post something you will get notified uh these are my favorite episodes of the week when we do the live and uh i really encourage you to uh, spread the word and interact with us on twitter too i love the love the comments and the questions and the the back and forth with you guys it, it's just absolutely so much fun scott you ask him he's gonna ask nick crawl to blink twice if he's in danger um i don't think he's in danger because he's doing a great job uh, on a couple fronts he's doing a great job with the fact that he's doing exactly what the castellinis are telling him to do cut that payroll make them money uh do the things and he did uh at the same time he didn't get fleeced. He went out and got great return for the people that he was forced by ownership to trade. Uh, he's done a tremendous job, I think, of building this team. And I've seen some stuff online recently where people were saying, well, you know, that was the talent pool that Dick Williams built that he traded away. Yeah, he did a good job of getting things in return. But, you know, Dick Williams did the stuff. Dick Williams did a lot. And... uh I, I give Dick Williams a lot of credit, especially for the fact that he was able to go out and get the ownership group to spend some money. But, you know, Dick Williams wasn't perfect. He had some swings and misses. You know, Shogo Akiyama was a swing and a miss. Uh, you know, that Mike Moustakis contract, while I thought it was a good deal at the time, um, ultimately ended up being a swing and a miss. So he wasn't perfect. Dick Williams wasn't perfect. But I think Nick Craw is doing a great job. Uh, Joseph says Nick crawl is, is the fall guy for this ownership group. Yet he's done a pretty good, pretty darn. He's done pretty darn good uh, with what he's been allowed to do. Lots of fun, young guys. Absolutely. Joseph. Um, he has done a lot with the little bit that he's been allowed to do. And I think that as far as the baseball decision goes, I think that 
Phil has been giving Nick Crawl marching orders as far as payroll needs to be at a certain number or you have to uh, move away this contract. But I don't think that he has interfered with Nick as far as who's getting traded to accomplish the payroll goals and the return. We know that Bob, you know, meddled in trades. You know, he meddled in the Scott Frazier, Scott Frazier, good grief. He meddled in the Todd Frazier deal. He meddled in trading away Billy Hamilton. You know, the Reds had a trade all set up to get something in return for Billy Hamilton, which is amazing. And uh, Bob Castellini nixed it. So I don't think Phil's doing those things. Uh, you know, he just continues to say dumb things and, you know, make crawl's job hard but you know it's not a not a veto type deal i don't think uh poofy haired fancy boy says he's confused as to why the cans castellinis wanted to stop spending money i feel like they used to if you look back at former teams i listen the castellinis are making money hand over fist uh major league baseball set a record in 2022 for revenue at 10.8 billion dollars uh if you do the math it roughly breaks down to before a pitch is ever thrown before a ticket is ever sold before anybody buys a beer anybody buys a gift anybody buys a souvenir they've already made more money than they're putting out now i know there's some expenses that come with running a baseball team that aren't built into the payroll but these guys are making more money at this than they could ever hope to make with their produce stuff. So I think that what they're doing is just squirreling away as much as they can. I don't believe them when they say they're reinvesting everything back into the team. I don't believe it. Uh, if they want to convince me of that, they're going to have to open the books. And we all know they are not going to do that. They're just not going to let us see what the truth is. Poofy haired fancy boy also says that uh, he thought I might be a Scott Scudder fan. Hey, listen, Scott Scudder was underrated. You know, what a, what a scrappy pitcher Scott Scudder was. No, actually, I was a Scott Scudder fan just a little bit um, when he was pitching. But, uh, you know, I was like uh, more of a Norm Charlton because he was a lefty kind of guy and I'm a lefty. So, you know, for as far as the pitchers go, I mean, obviously the starters in Jose Rio and a half season of of uh jack armstrong was fantastic but you know the nasty boys bullpen was you know super exciting to watch but scott scudder wow i didn't think we'd be talking about scott scudder today uh steve mccoy he liked how morris also benzinger not so much you know they platooned a lot and you know benzinger got to have the honor of catching the final out of the 1990 world series i mean you know he wasn't you know, he's just another one of the guys that was in the right place at the right time and contributed a little bit and uh you know, I don't, I don't have anything against Todd Benzinger. Scott says Benzinger was a good manager for the Dragons. Uh, you know, I need to get to more Dragons games, guys. Uh, I know that, Scott, you go a lot. Um, do, do any of you other guys, do you guys go to the Dragons game? I know that Tom Nichols up there, the play-by-play -play guy, you know, he always is welcoming to us when Jeff and I go up there. Uh, I really need to try and, and get up there more and spend more time uh, seeing some Dragons games. Danny Jackson fan. No, Danny Jackson was okay. I think he frustrated me a lot. I, I, I just, I thought he would always be a lot better than he really was. And then, you know, he's pitching behind Jose Rio. So I, 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 I nothing against Danny Jackson, but, uh, and I'm sorry guys that I have to kind of like try and talk and read comments at the same time and, and keep this thing moving along a little bit. But, uh, 
Ronnie says he was fortunate enough to watch the Reds in Ann Arbor, Michigan, working out during the 82 strike season. Uh, it was amazing being able to see all the players up close. This is why I like going to Goodyear. Um, before COVID, I would go to Goodyear and do and time it so that I was in Phoenix for spring training. And then uh, for the week of St. Patrick's Day, also, there's a great uh, Irish bar like a block up from the Diamondback Stadium in downtown Phoenix that I liked to go to. Uh, but one of the reasons I like spring training is because you can get there on the backfields. And I mean, literally be 10, 15 feet away from these guys while they're doing hitting drills and working out. And then uh, the Goodyear ballpark experience, uh, it's nothing fancy, but uh, there's great lines uh, as far as sight lines. You can, any seat in that place is great. I like going and sitting out on the lawn and uh, watching those games from the outfield a little bit. Uh, you can hang out by the bullpen and talk to the pitchers and they, the, the players generally interact. Um, not always, you know, uh, but they generally will interact with you. And uh, so if you're looking for that kind of experience, uh, like Ronnie was talking about being able to watch the players up close, Try to get out to spring training sometime. Uh, Phoenix in March is great. It's not too hot. Sometimes it's a little chilly. Um, I try and do some hiking when I'm out there. I did Camelback Mountain last time I was out there. Uh, next time I go, I want to take a trip down to Tombstone and hit the you know OK Corral. And then there's a Tombstone Brewery that I want to go try. So lots of stuff out there to do. Uh, I really like the baseball trips, the sports trips. Uh, have a lot of fun. You guys may remember if you listen to the Reds Alert podcast, uh, Chris Schluter being on there. We did a lot of, uh, we do a lot of baseball trips together and, uh, you know, we've done the spring training thing a couple times too. So I encourage you find a buddy, go do it. Good fun. Poofy haired fancy boy asks if we've watched the riverfront documentary. Uh, it's on YouTube now. Yeah. Um, I did a lefty in the bullpen with cam, uh, before that came out where we had the, the prologue to the film on. I thought it was really interesting. The thing I liked about it most is it wasn't really a lot of, a lot of guys talking there's a lot of actually a lot of reading with that film and in cam when i talked to him about it after um, i texted him when i finished watching it and you know mentioned that and you know that was a choice that he made he wanted to keep people kind of focused and drawn in um, i wish that i could have seen it when it showed at the hall of fame uh, but i had to watch it on youtube as well um, cam does great work and there's actually uh two more of those coming he's doing one now for the jungle you know it's going to be bingles related and then he's going to do a third one that focuses on concerts and special events that were held at riverfront stadium during its existence so i think those will also be a couple uh of exciting films to uh, pay attention to when cam puts them out uh, poofy haired fancy boy says, uh, give a woman a diamond seat over a diamond ring. Now, listen, if I could find the lady that, that that's, uh, what she would be looking for, you know, that's definitely a keeper right there. Um, those, those ladies are hard to find, uh, especially in, you know, these times, but if I could find her, I would definitely go that route. Uh, <laughs> oh boy. Sorry guys. Still trying to scroll and, uh, you know, Ronnie uh, talks about Marge Shot and says she actually loved the Reds. It wasn't as much about money. She wanted to win. I don't know if that's completely true. You know, she she pinched some pennies and she did some things that you're just like, wow, really, Marge? Uh, when when John McSherry uh, passed away on the field uh, on opening day, you know, she like pulled some flowers that somebody had 
given for somebody else and put them in the umpire room instead of like getting them their own flowers, things like that. There were some, uh, some cheapskate moments, but you know, Hey, she got the Reds a world series. She brought in Lou Pinella. She got things done coming off the heels of the Pete Rose scandal. Uh, she made it happen. So, you know, for all of her flaws and all of her faults, uh, she brought a world series to Cincinnati, something that Bob Castellini uh, has struggled to figure out. Uh, Craw has given us hope. Uh, Steven says, Stephen McCoy, uh, he has, uh, I think that uh, one of the things that, that crawl has going for him is that he has found a way to kind of build the team without alienating his relationship with the owners. Uh, I think that uh, you could read the writing on the wall with Dick Williams. There was a strained relationship there. And, I think the thing that protected Dick Williams is that his uncles are in the ownership group. Uh, they aren't in controlling interest of the ownership group, but they were in the ownership group. So I think that that protected him and, and maybe allowed him to push more than anybody else could have. But Nick Crow has in fact, uh, you know, given us, given us some, um, some hope. Do you remember when Rob Dibble heaved a ball into the stands and hit a school teacher? I do. And you know what? I was at a game where, how did it go? How Morris hit a home run and then Glenn Braggs came up behind him in the lineup. I think that's how it went down. Whoever the pitcher was, this was against the Astros, by the way. Whoever the pitcher was then hit Glenn Braggs, who didn't charge the mound, which is probably a good thing because if you guys remember, that guy was massive. But I remember Rob Dibble charging in from the bullpen at Riverfront Stadium, which, if you remember, it was just along the foul line. So it comes running across the field and drop kicks the pitcher with his spikes. Um, it was a big suspension, uh, bases, uh, you know, bench clearing brawl. Uh, Rob Dibble was good for some bench clearing brawls. Uh, you know, he pegged that was it in Chicago where he pegged the runner with the ball in the back. Um, you know, Rob did some stuff. He had some anger management issues for sure, uh, but. Uh, Buffy Harris says he thought the strike was in 81. I think it was in 81. Maybe that's the off season and into the 82 season he was talking about because 1982, uh, is the worst season in Reds franchise history. Uh, most losses, the Reds just missed it this season. Can I get Tracy Jones to come on the show? Uh, no, he's not going to do this show. Um, it would be great. BR7 asks if I've ever caught a foul ball or a home run ball at any park that I've been to a bunch of minor league parks, uh, major league stuff. I've, I've never caught anything during a game. Now I did go to a Reds Dodgers game, uh, at Chavez ravine and during batting practice caught a home run ball, uh, from off of one of the Dodgers. I don't even remember who hit it. Uh, that's the closest I've come. Uh, I, I guess I'm going to have to hit up, uh, Caleb on Twitter. I forget his Twitter handle, but uh, he seems to be the man at catching all of the foul balls everywhere. I'm going to have to maybe put some uh, effort into that. Uh, BR seven also says he would marry somebody for diamond seeds. I would be, you know, I'm with you. Um, you know, I could be convinced. <laughs> I'm scrolling guys. Sorry. I'm trying not to leave any dead air. Uh, 
Tate Boys is talking about Ellie De La Cruz. Says that Ellie can't be denied shortstop and that Barrero, uh, if his bat picks up, can he play third base? Well, that's one of the great mysteries, right? Uh, How is this thing going to shake out? Uh, I, I think that as long as Ellie can play a good shortstop and, and hits at the major league level, he's going to be the shortstop. Uh, third base becomes a question of, is it Jose Barrero? Is it Noel V. Marte? Is it Spencer Steer? Uh, is it somebody else? Uh, I really keep coming back to if Barrero learns to hit, maybe he could become an outfielder. Uh, he spent some time in center field last season. Uh, there's a lot of, a lot of what ifs. There's a lot of depend. It depends on this. It depends on that uh, associated with all of these other dominoes. But I think in a couple cases, you know, the domino moves start with what they do with Tyler Stevenson, how often he plays DH first base catcher, what that mix looks like, because then as you start moving the other pieces around, uh, if Tyler's not at DH, maybe it's Jonathan India. Well, then steer could play second base, which means third base could be open, which means, you know, it just goes on and on and on and on. I think that this situation though, uh, is a strength for David Bell because this is this is where he thrives. He loves to tinker, and and this this puzzle piece uh, of of moving all of these guys around, I, I think is going to just fall right into his wheelhouse. I think he's going to be pretty good at getting uh, a lot of guys in the game. I think he's going to have somebody that's a super utility that gets full-time playing time, gets everyday playing time, everyday at bats at a bunch of different positions. There's going to be one dude that that's his job. And I'm kind of looking forward to it. I, I, I wish it was a simple answer. It's not a... It's not an easy one once you get past a couple of the guys because there's just so many moving parts. But I do look forward to kind of watching... Uh, how it plays out and and talking a lot about it because I think we're gonna he's gonna give us something to talk about every single night when we're watching the Reds games even if they're not that great uh, there's gonna be a lot of of fun in second guessing what David Bell does with all of these dudes uh, BR7 says didn't Dibble and Lupinella get in a fight in a locker room yes they did and someone got it on video I remember it being on WLW TV uh, when it happened. <laughs> I guess they made up after though. Uh, you know, uh, Ronnie says Sweet Lou and Rob really loved to fight each other. Uh, I think they really liked each other too. You, you, there's been lots of times you've seen them together at events where they've got, uh, you know, the Reds have brought them back and, and they look to genuinely be friends. So uh, Greg Hughes asks, do we need more left-handed pitching? You can never have too much left-handed pitching. Uh, the real answer here is we need more good left-handed pitching. Uh, I am still kind of hoping that there's a bullpen signing or two coming along. Um, but I do think they should stack some, some lefties down in the minors. Uh, Scott Campbell says 69 more days until opening day. It is. I can't wait. I'm looking forward to it. I got my trip booked already. I will see you all at great American ballpark. Uh, I can't wait. It's, it's going to be a whole lot of fun. I'm still trying to kind of scroll here. And uh, Kenneth is asking, I think this is, he's asking about Siani, uh, Michael Siani, um, being a base dealer. He's fast. Uh, problem is he doesn't do a great job of getting on base. Uh, I think Billy Hamilton, but not quite as fast. I'll say this, uh, Siani plays great defense. Uh, that, that'll be his, his way to maybe make it into the active roster. But I, I think Siani is going to start the season down at AAA and, and have to try and figure out a little bit more about how to hit because 
he definitely has work to do. The only reason he was really part of the the call up anyway there towards the end is they were just simply absolutely out of bodies. Everybody was hurt. Uh, everybody was uh, on the disabled list or the injured list. Uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think Siani is going to factor in. What else you guys want to talk about? Uh, we got a few minutes left here. If you've got something you've been uh, debating whether or not you wanted to get into today, now is the time because uh, we're going to wrap up here very, very quickly. Uh, Ronnie says he thinks in the short term, it all comes down to overall talent and, and how they are taught. Hopefully the Reds now have better instructors to bring out the best in this young team. This is kind of a good point. You know, I spent some time talking with Chris Welsh about this, both on an interview I did with him and then also just when we've hung out and talked baseball, um, you know, he offered the thought that when the Reds went to analytics and brought in Kyle Bodie and, and made a bunch of the changes that they made, that they overcorrected, that the Reds had been so slow and slow, so reluctant to modernize that when they did it, like they went all in and overshot and got rid of some really valuable baseball people, uh, and then when Kyle Bodie left and they made some changes, they swung kind of back into the middle of it. Now the organization has, you know, guys that are analytics driven guys that are old school baseball driven and, you know, think, you know, use their gut to decide how they make their decisions. So I think they're in, they, they found a good medium there. I think that there are some players and, and if you listen to the lefty in the bullpens last season, I forget which guy said it, but one of those, one of those players I interviewed said, you know, there are some players that don't respond as well to the analytics that they respond better to the, to the old school coach from your gut kind of baseball guys. And so I think the organization now has enough of both of them to surround the players with the kind of coaching that they need. So I'm, I'm hoping that that's how that plays out that they can, you know, you know, as Ronnie, as you're saying, they need a mix of old school and new, and that's what they've done. They've actually done that. So, you know, I think that, uh, I think that the youngsters have the right amount of people to, to help them be successful. Uh, Greg agreeing with me saying lefty is hard to get, uh, Spencer steer has some solid steamer projections, Thoughts on the over-under for 20-ish home runs uh, they have him hitting this year. Yeah, you know, that's actually a good one. I think it's going to be like, I think that's on the nose. I think it's going to be right at 20. Because uh, Spencer Steer, I think, is probably going to be that dude that ends up being uh, the utility dude that plays multiple positions. I think he's going to get time at second base and India will DH or play left field, hopefully, fingers crossed. Uh, I think Spear will get time at third base, maybe an occasional inning, you know, late substitution at shortstop, uh, cover first base for Joey. If Joey's not ready to go on opening day or uh, when he needs a day off, you know, so I, I think 20 sounds about right. Uh, you know, Jeff is convinced that Steer is going to have like the breakout year and actually be in the rookie of the year conversation. So uh, I hope that that, that plans out to be true. John Park checks in. Hi, John. Uh, says, uh, to me, the lack of activity this offseason has been very telling at the Castellini's being totally signed out of the Cincinnati Reds baseball organization. Um, 
I can't argue that. Uh, I think they're not signed out of making all that money, but um, yeah, there, I, there's not a lot of buy-in from the owners. I, I think it's a, uh, I think it's just one of those deals where we just need to wait and hope for better. Uh, come on guys, give me a couple more things. Let's talk about something positive for just a minute and then we will get out of here. Uh, I don't want to end it on a Castellini note. Who's got a, who's got a funny baseball thing we can talk about, uh, monitoring the comments here. Um, I'll tell you guys while I'm waiting for something to pop up to end on, I'll tell you guys a story about uh, a trip I took to riverfront stadium when I was in high school, uh, had seats for a business day special in the yellow seats. And I remember that Chris Hammond was pitching that day. And I remember that Chris Hammond was pitching that day because uh, he came up to bat in that game. And I just casually said, he's going to hit a home run. And he did. I called that shot. Uh, It's the only time I've ever done that. And it was a pitcher, Chris Hammond. Uh, Let's see. Ronnie says that Spencer Steer is a throwback on old school kind of player. Uh, I think you believe, I believe he will be a staple in the Reds lineup. I agree with that. I think that, uh, I think he has real potential to be good and I'm looking forward to him getting a lot of playing time uh, here in 2023. And that is the positive note that we are going to wrap up on guys. I know uh, a little bit shorter than we've been going, but you know, Jeff's not here to help me carry, uh, to, to carry the water here, guys, it's hard to read the comments and talk and do all the, the production stuff all at the same time. So thank you all for bearing with me. Uh, sorry that there was a couple awkward long pauses in there. Uh, Scott Campbell, who day is right. Bengals bills this Sunday. Uh, I'm all in on the Bengals. I think they're going to win that game. I took the money line over at bet online because it's plus 200. And I think the Bengals are going to win that game. Uh, let me go ahead and wrap up. Appreciate you guys uh, bearing with me on this solo uh, produced podcast today. That's going to wrap up this edition of Locked on Reds. Uh, coming up next week, we'll continue to uh, dig in uh, with offseason moves, rumors, and uh, anything else that comes along uh, Reds related that we want to keep you guys updated on and now that you have listened to the locked on reds podcast head over to the locked on mlb prospects podcast with lindsey crosby i hope you guys enjoyed uh, having lindsey on the show uh, talking about reds prospects uh, he's got great content over there on the locked on mlb prospects podcast and coming this week he's actually breaking down the national league central so it's a great time to go over and check out the show and, and hear what's coming up through all of the organizations uh for the teams in the NL Central. Uh, you can find that podcast uh, just like Locked on Reds on all podcasting platforms. Uh, until next time, uh, you can check in with me on Twitter and we'll be back next week to keep you locked on Reds every single day. Catch you guys later.